Good morning. Um, if you were in our meeting last week, as James said, um, uh, Kath kicked off the, the going l- uh, slow down um, series. So last week, Kath looked at slow down and enjoy the view. If you're anything like me, life gets really busy and fast-paced. So since I was asked a couple of weeks ago to speak today, my life has included work going into overdrive. The last two weekends spent driving a 1,000 miles visiting university open days in four different cities, taking on leadership of our Connect group and also signing up for Rooted, as well as all the usual run-of-the-mill things that occupy my time. Slowdown seems an appropriate topic for me and maybe for you too. I know many of us juggle the pressures of family life, long hours at work, church leadership responsibilities, intense studying, learning a new job, challenging health situations, running a business and much more. Today we're going to briefly look at the subject of slow down and make space for people. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't want to restrict it. My prayer is that as I share some thoughts today, the Holy Spirit will prompt each one of us to think about areas of our lives where we interact with others currently or where we could do something different to engage with people. I would encourage each of us to not switch off but ask God to speak to us as we think about these things together. During August we spent a few weeks doing cafe church here where we didn't have someone speaking from the front for the whole of the preach time but instead we had group discussions about the topics that we were looking at based on the study book The Whole of Life for Christ. I found that really useful and helpful and hopefully you did too. If you were in any of those sessions, incidentally, we'll be continuing with some further sessions from that book in Connect over the coming weeks. Back to today, I'm mainly going to be speaking from the front, but just to pre-warn you at the end, if there's time, I will be asking you to split into small groups to discuss stuff um, and talk and pray with others about what you feel God may have spoken to you about this morning. So I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this opportunity to spend time together thinking about how you want us to live. Please inspire us, prompt us, and help us to bring changes that will help us to be more like Jesus. So life is all about interactions with people. When God created Adam, he said in Genesis 2, it's not good for man to be alone. To state the obvious, unless you live on a desert island with no man Friday to assist you, your life will be full of interactions and relationships with people on many different levels. We used to say about our church that we're not like a family, we are a family. Although we maybe don't say it as much these days, it should still be what we're experiencing and aiming for. So what does this look like? Outside of church life, how should we be with those who we come into contact with in various aspects of our daily lives? If we are to be those that make the most of our interactions with people, it would be good for us to consider how we may do this better. Our supreme example of how to have good interactions with people is, of course, Jesus. This morning I want us to look at some of the ways that Jesus made space for people in his busy earthly life 2,000 years ago, as well as thinking about how this relates to our time and culture. Here's some thoughts on five areas we can consider making space for people. There is some crossover between some of them, but that's okay. The first one is to socialise. John chapter 2, verses 2 to 11 says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. 
Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with waters, so they began to fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where he had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. James was talking earlier about likes receiving an invitation. Most of us love a good party or a wedding, especially when all the food and drink is laid on. I didn't find loads in the Bible about other ways of Jesus spending time socially with, with his disciples, but he often spent time socially around a meal. I'm not sure if Jesus and his disciples played board games. I don't know if they spent time doing arts and crafts. I think some of them were musical, though, as Jesus talks to the fishermen about castanets on the other side of the boat. Enjoy it, because there are no others. <clears throat> it's great sharing a meal together with friends and family and a very easy way to connect with people. Roger and Lisa, as we know, are particularly good at this, often opening their homes to friends from church, neighbours and people from the various social groups they're involved with. Other people that come to mind, the Armitages open their home for the occasional Marvel film night. It's not really for me, that one. Um, the Camerons invite people around for food and games. There's so many ways to socialise with family, church family, friends, work colleagues, neighbours, people from Withenshaw who we're trying to reach to let them know about God's love for them. Is God dropping things into your mind, areas you can make space for people in a social setting? Another way to make space for people is to pray. Mark 1 verse 35 says about Jesus, Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It doesn't talk a lot in the Bible about Jesus praying, but we know um, that his life was characterized by spending time with his father God that equipped him for the day ahead time to ask God to intervene in difficult situations time to receive wisdom and words from God about how best to interact with people if Jesus needed to pray in order to be effective then surely so do we life as a Christian was never promised to be easy just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we won't face difficulties in life there will, of course, be times when we all face really difficult times and need support. When going through these times, knowing that people are praying for us and with us is a great comfort. Let's not underestimate what prayer can achieve in the lives of those around us, whether they're Christians or not. Let's make space for people in our lives by taking time to pray for each other and our families and our church family, as well as praying for those who we come into contact as we go about life. The Apostle Paul wrote several of the letters in the New Testament of the Bible to churches he had established or spent time with. He often mentions that he is praying for the church that the letter is intended for. Could we make a little more space in our lives to pray for and with people? Is anyone in particular coming to mind right now? A third way for making space for people is assist. You're wondering what the words are going to be, aren't you? Now you know where I'm going. Um, looking back at the passage about the wedding in Cana that we looked at 
a while ago, Jesus took a physical action to help out in the situation that arose. The wedding had run out of wine, so Jesus stepped up and performed a miracle. In fact, much of what is recorded in the Bible about Jesus relates to the healings and other miracles he performed as he made space for people. He freed people from the effects of evil spirits. He raised people from the dead. He fed huge groups of hungry people. He calmed storms. He healed vast numbers of sick people. His ability to do all of this stemmed from the close relationship he had with his, God, with his Father God and the Holy Spirit. That was fostered by the time he spent in prayer, the previous point we were looking at. We too are able to see God's miracle working power in our lives of people around us. Let's pray for an increase in this. But on the more down-to-earth level, whether or not we're seeing people healed or miracles happen, all of us have the ability to do things practically for people. If I have a car, I could offer to give a lift to someone who doesn't have one. If someone has a broken washing machine and I'm good at fixing things, Mr. Cameron, I could offer to take a look. If someone uh, I know is feeling a bit low, I could make some cakes and go and see them. Or in my case, I could buy the cakes or get Abby to make them. Um, if my work colleague is struggling with a task, I could offer to help them. The list is endless. You know the people that you come into contact with and you can think of practical ways that you can assist them. Uh, you may have noticed in the, the MEN this week there was an article about a plumber. He'd been called out to a broken down boiler belonging to a very old lady. Uh, I think she was something like 93. He attended and fixed the boiler and then found out that she had a terminal illness. He sent the invoice for the job and priced it at zero pounds. He didn't charge her for the job despite him having to buy parts and use his time. He then went on to say he would come back for free if she needed help with anything else. When I, read, when I read that, I thought, I wonder if he's a Christian. Jesus went out of his way to help people. This plumber did the same. What an amazing example. Um, is the Holy Spirit prompting us about anyone who he wants us to assist in any way? A fourth way to make space is to... Any ideas? You won't guess it. Communicate. John 4, verse 24, and talking about Jesus, says this. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had already gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? The Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. 
The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus broke taboos by talking to a Samaritan woman. He made space to communicate with the woman. This alone would have spoken volumes to her. However, he didn't just have an ordinary conversation, as positive as that would have been. He also brought words of knowledge to her that had been revealed by the Holy Spirit, words to bring life and hope. There used to be a saying when I was a child, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. As people in this room who are all over child age, I'm sure you'll all agree this statement is completely false. The words people speak can have a very harmful effect or positive effect, as in the case of this Bible passage. It's always good to think before we communicate, whether that be by speech, email, social media, which is something I'm particularly good at, or any other way. Our words have power to build up or bring down. Let's be those who choose to use positive communication and steer clear of unhelpful talk and gossip. Thinking before we speak can help prevent us causing hair to offence. Taking time to talk to someone who feels like they're worth, their life is worthless can have an amazing effect. But even if it doesn't obviously have that effect, that shouldn't stop us doing it. A couple of weeks ago, a guy whose nickname is Wolf came into my work and asked to speak to me. He hadn't been around recently, but about ten years or so ago, he was living on the streets and had done some voluntary work at King's House where I work. Um, and consequently, because we'd taken him in, he felt loved and part of something. He subsequently spent eight years in prison and is now out and living in a flat. On that day that he walked in, I took time out of my busy schedule to chat to him. What was more important in that moment? Writing an email or making space to talk to Wolf. He recalled a time that he'd come to our old house for a meal many years ago. I don't think I've told you this, have I? Um, he also talked positively about the way we had taken him under our wing at work all those years before. Making space for people to have a conversation with them is what Jesus did and what each of us are able to do in the situations we find ourselves. Let's not feel like if we haven't prayed for someone or mentioned Jesus in a conversation that we could have done better. Let's thank God for the opportunity of engaging with that person and pray for God to do whatever he wants to do with that person. The last area we're going to look at where we can make space for people is... Any ideas? Could have been encouraged. That was one of the options. Empower. Which is very similar to encourage. It's very easy to see people's faults and failings, but should we choose to focus on those or on the positive things we see in people... If we've given our lives to Jesus, then he has chosen to forgive and overlook our many failings. Surely we should follow his example and do the same for people we interact with. I'm going to read a passage from John, 
chapter 8, verse 2, if anybody wants to turn to it, or you can just listen. John chapter 8, verse 2, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the old ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus knew very well the life that she was leading, but he chose to respond to her with grace and forgiveness. Instead of condemning her as the Pharisees hoped he would, he treated her with kindness and encouraged her to live differently. Here was a woman full of shame, suddenly being lifted and empowered to have a positive outlook on life. Isn't that mind-blowing? But also, did you notice the way Jesus spoke to the Pharisees? He didn't condemn them either, but spoke a word of wisdom that had the effect of causing them to think differently too. How do we empower people? Yes, by our words, but it's not just by our words. There's other ways too. We also empower people by encouraging and allowing them space to try new things and developing gifting. One of our youth has just started an apprenticeship. Are his new employers expecting him to be a brilliant engineer after a few days? Of course not. People need empowering to have space to grow and develop. Are there people we know that we could gently help move away from negative lifestyle traits to more positive ones? Are we holding on to things where actually we could slow down by releasing some of these things to allow others to grow and develop? We all know the art of good leadership is delegation. Do we find our identity in knowing God's love for us or in the things we're involved with? If it's in the latter, we'll find it hard to give things up and allow others to pick them up. Ruth and I have often over the years asked God to help us to hold things lightly, whether that be physical items or things we're involved with. If we're following Jesus, we need to give him permission to ask us to stop doing things to empower others to do them. I said before there's some crossover between the things we're looking at. Positive communication can have an empowering effect. You probably know that our church meets in a few locations across the city, one of these being the building that we own, King's House. We hire rooms for conferences, and a couple of months ago we had a conference for the Department for Work and Pensions, big central government department. After the event had been booked at our venue, but before the event had happened, the organiser sent an email saying, um, I don't like the state of the street, the building's a bit tired inside, there was homeless people hanging around outside, and lots of other negative things. The organiser then said she didn't think King's House was a suitable venue for the event, but because she'd got no other choice at that late stage, they would have to go ahead and book and run the event.
Um, so we responded graciously as a team, and in the month between that email communication and the event, we pulled out all the stops, particularly Ant. We redecorated things, we repaired things. It felt like we strept, swept the street with a toothbrush. Basically, we bent over backwards for this event to try to ensure the experience was a good one. The event happened, and the day after the event, we received a letter dictated by the commercial head of Department for Work and Pensions. So here's a guy who's really high up in the civil service in London. So he'd taken a day out of work to be at the conference at our venue. He'd gone back to work the next day. would have had loads and loads of things piling up. And yet he took time out to dictate a letter... Um, which basically said what an amazing venue it was and how he would recommend us to other people. It, that, that just blew me away, really. So here was, here was somebody incredibly high up who'd made space in his incredibly busy day to empower us and encourage us with his words. Conclusion. I'm sure we've all heard that saying, we're able to make time for the things that we want to do. So we've looked... A few things here, a few ways of making space for people. As we go through life, we're constantly making choices. Making space for people may not come naturally to us and will often be a conscious choice. Am I going to spend a night in watching a movie with my family? Or am I going to invite someone who lives alone to join us? Am I going to sit and eat my lunch on my own or am I going to sit with others and chat with them? That one's for me, by the way. Am I going to take up two seats on the bus or am I going to move my bag off the seat so someone can sit there? Am I going to spend all day preparing this talk or am I going to spend less time in it and spend some time with my family? That was a real one for me yesterday. Am I going to rush off after dropping the kids off at school or am I going to chat to that dad by the school gates that everyone ignores? Am I going to slow down and allow that car driver to join the road from the side road or am I going to carry on and ignore them? When speaking to a customer who I'm trying to sell to, am I going to ask about how their week on, weekend was, or am I just going to talk about the things I need to to close the deal? Am I going to attend on a Sunday and enjoy being in the meeting every week, or am I going to offer to help out with kids' work? Am I going to set aside time to pray for that annoying work colleague, or am I just going to avoid them as much as possible? Am I going to give that task at work that I enjoy to a work colleague instead, knowing that they won't do as good a job as I am? Or am I going to keep it for myself? One of the aspects we've talked about is praying. It's possible to make space in all of the other areas without actually praying as well. I want to encourage us all to slow down. Let's take time to pray and listen to God more. We will then be better placed to hear and know how God wants us to make space for people. Let's be open to opportunities to make space for people and in the process demonstrate Jesus' love to people. When you read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, it seems to me that he was constantly looking out for people in lots of different ways. If we want to follow Jesus, let's open our hearts, minds and eyes at how we can make space for people as we do life individually and as a church. Let's see how we're doing for time. Okay, so if you could split into groups of three or four, please. Um, have a look at those things. Just um, discuss if you feel God said anything to you about areas that you can make space for people in any of those areas. And then just pray for people in your group and then we'll finish.